from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. Friday, February 2nd, 2018, wow. and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. I powered through that one. February, February. first of all. You I, February, of... it shows me up like like brewery. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat. Oh, yes. Amen. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, our newest cast member, author, speaker, podcaster, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. Glad to be here. Yes, AFD. Hey, how long is the newest cast member thing last? Does it uh, go until we get another? Uh, yeah, until we boot. Yeah, she's always the newest one until I'm we always, boot her. I'm always the rookie. somebody else yeah. comes along. We'll feel it. We'll feel it. Like when someone new comes, we kind of feel when it's like, okay, this feels weird to yeah. keep on or, or, or one of us meets an untimely demise. <laughs> <laughs> Not to get dark, but hey, that I could mean, happen. If we're, if yeah. we're putting money on it, right. it's probably going to be Jesse. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the safe bet. Yeah. You know, I've been working on. For some reason, I picked back up BMXing, which I dabbled in oh, as wow. a 12-year-old. And, uh, you know, I've already got some, some real sketchy ramps in the backyard. So, you know, it could be yeah. any day now. And I, I saw I saw this week that Elon Musk, a Tesla and a SpaceX guy, that he uh, that he his yeah. boring company started selling flamethrowers. I immediately immediately thought of Jesse. And well, now wait till I'm in a, case you missed it. I'll say that. And I am very oh interested. I've been a, a, a researching these projects extensively. And you know, I was thinking, Cameron, I was like, you know, this should be some kind of like employee of the year award or something like that. You know, it, it, up the incentives and, and get a flamethrower involved. Here's, <laughs> here's uh, may I bring up a conversation starter now? That's the oh, first I've ever asked that in yes. five years of this show. <laughs> Why like didn't I just start? Cards in front of you or something? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm Annie, ready. I'm ready. Annie, okay. So Annie's now in a new room, and I what I'll do is paint a picture so for you. So the way you. we record this, yes. if you guys need a mental picture, this is the theater of the mind. Yes. Eddie mm. and Chandler and I are facing each other in one room. Yes. We have a large TV screen to our side, which has a big head of Jesse and a big head of Annie. Yes. And and uh, we can see the rooms that they're recording in. I, and, I didn't, and I am still trying to find my perfect setup that has me Because last week, Annie, Annie yeah. was recording, right. but we could see the kitchen behind her. Right. And her roommate was kind of r- shuffling around shuffling back there. Around. Sure. And it was just, it was a whole thing. Making her morning oatmeal, getting ready to go yeah. off to her right. job, just yeah. having her morning. So Annie has picked a new location. By the way, I didn't realize how many people don't understand how this whole setup works. Yeah. I met uh, I met a friend, Adam, who listens to the show. I met him in Canada, and he's a pastor up there. All the questions that he had were about, like, so, like, can you see each other? How does it work? Who's like, I oh, wow. didn't realize. People yeah, the don't. internet, you can do uh, videos now. Yeah. <laughs> they put, see, they put the TV on the internet now. Yeah. It's exciting Eddie, stuff. how are your lips after being up north? Did you use a lot of lip balm? Let's get back to your room. So, Annie. <laughs> nope, um, I, want so, I want to. So, over, uh, over <sighs> Annie's right shoulder behind her is a fireplace, which clearly doesn't work. Vintage. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, some yeah, candles yeah. sitting work. in the bottom. Yeah. Doesn't work because it's pretty expensive to get the flume cleaned out or the flue cleaned out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I don't own the house. 
Oh, I and see. there's so a woman you... upstairs from me, and the fireplace doesn't go all the way there. So it would just set her house on fire. Literally. Literally. So there's candles in it. And then there's some seasonal decorations, of which it's uh, pretty cool. It's February now, so that seems to be some yeah. like Valentine's-esque. It is. Then oh, okay. Cameron, yeah. So you it's know the what? red and the pink. And so, then there's a, a Lady Antebellum picture. Well, yeah, there's, there's some framed uh, music posters right. uh, yeah, on the, the mantle. Yeah, the show prints uh, from Mufford and Shows Sons, at the Lady Antebellum. Yeah, Lady Antebellum. Oh, they're, they're, it. It's Nashville, so she's got like like um, a metal star with a light bird. bulbs on it. All right, everybody, birds. get where you're going. Just <laughs> get now, where you're going. for the punchline, I present to you Cameron Strain. Cameron, uh, what else is on it? There are three about 18-inch to 24-inch tall about six inch thick, deep, yeah. hand carved letters that say very large. I mean, <laughs> dominating, it's, it's really covering the, up most of the Lady Antebellum poster. Oh, it's this. It's yeah, that's serious. That's absolutely right. And it's the center of the room. And those center letters room. are AFD. So, Annie, you put your own initials pretty much front and center in the room. And you also have somebody who pays rent to room with you. Let's talk I, about no, that. No, hold on. I think I know what happened here. Okay. Annie, you don't have to defend yourself. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to casually sit here. This is yeah, when be, I stop being called new is when you start razzing me. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I don't think Annie has to defend herself because it's clear what happened. She is a big fan of the franchise America's Funny Home Videos, which, as you know, in the Tom Bergeron years, yeah. rebranded itself as AFV, AFV in the viral video era. Yeah. She, to honor her love for the program, yeah. ordered <laughs> AFD. D sounds like V, right? It was a common mistake. Yeah. It was meant to be a tribute to America's Funny Home Videos. Yep. AFD, they, she went ahead and hung it. I don't think, I, I, I mean, I don't see how you guys are well, missing. It's I pretty obvious what she's happened. She's just trying to say she's America's Funniest Downs. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not true because you know that my dad came in second in a comedy competition. Oh, well, funniest that just accountants a, of the southeast. So now this is a thing of you trying to posture against funniest Dad. accountant of the southeast. Well, <laughs> funniest we gotta really accountant meet this of the guy. southeast in 2007. He came in second. He wow. has it. He has papers. He likes to say that a lot. That when he talks about funny stuff, he has the papers. So, <laughs> so either, you're right. I am America's funniest downs. I'm trying to be funnier than my own father. So it's either that. It's either Jesse's theory or raging narcissist. We've got two mm. theories going. And what does your roommate think about living yeah. in the AFD house? Yeah, the branded. You've branded your own dining room or living like, room. She can't avoid it. It's in the middle of your living space. Don't forget where you're at. You're in AFD country. Yeah. Don't forget who calls the shots. I just want everyone to realize I'm just letting y'all keep doing this. I just don't. I'm just letting it continue. I think they're really beautiful for starters because their books. Y'all left that part out. Their books. Oh, so I get not it. Because you're a best-selling author, and that's my job, right? So originally they were in my office. Mm-hmm. We had to clean and rearrange my office, and they ended up on the mantle. It's a way less exciting. But also, people put their initials. People like. Women, when mayor, I mean Eddie, listen. There's no way there's not a bunch of K's all over your house. Yeah, yeah but it represents the no. whole family, yeah, not and, one and, specific and, member of the why family. You bring, why, why, why can't a single person is. have her initials in a place, Cameron? Well, I don't know. I don't think it has anything to do with hey, being single. Yeah, you know what would be well, funnier? Well, he's saying families do it. You, what would have been funny is if you just had a big F up there because of, the, of the whole F thing. I, we should get our initials done, and mine would just all be made out of like printed out emails and microphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, Annie, I'm gonna rescue you from this uh, razzing. I just had a funny interaction. You know, I'm try. I try not to multitask. I try to be pretty locked in, but we're, uh, you know, so uh, we're having a little change to the uh, schedule thing involving podcasts today, and I'm and I'm uh, uh, using an inner office communication system right now with someone in the office who I'll remain nameless. But I said, let's do this. Let's let's make the time here. Um, 
you know, just call an audible on it. And she was like, okay, I'm emailing the people now. We're getting up with the publicists. We're getting the time. Why do we need to call audible? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said inaudible. And she said, why do we need to call them? And I said, that right. is a football term for changing the play at line of scrimmage. But, you know, I'm razzing someone else right now. I have to deflect from you, Annie. Uh, Annie, I have um, one other question about your living space. Yes. I'm sure you do. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, again, we see the, the lovely uh, strand of Valentine's decoration felted. on, they're, on they're, the... Uh, there there's felted balls. Felted balls. A strand of felted Valentine's balls balls on your fireplace why over your left shoulder on the shelf three like above head level do you have a very ornate nativity set still oh. i don't i don't yes oh my gosh do. no one's ever gonna marry me now cameron you're really <laughs> ruining my chances no look I, listen it is i think it's just it helpful is, for them to all know what they're getting into yeah that's We're what i'm walking saying into a house of curiosities yeah. and oddities and insanities you marry <laughs> any of downs you're gonna get a big old afd on your mantle that's yeah. all i'm saying and she's no, no, not no, changing we'll trade the out the d we'll trade out the d no. we'll or something else. AFD hyphen R or whatever it is. Listen, what they are over my shoulder is when I go to foreign countries, I just get a Mary and a Joseph and a Jesus. And so there it's from um, Israel and those nativity set. Yeah, uh, it's not. It's it's Israel, Scotland, Ecuador and Haiti. That's beautiful. But like it's it's a nativity set because if it's the three of them. Yeah. It's just the three of them. Y'all just can't see because it's too far away. Is They're Jesus all, a, it's is different. Jesus a baby? It's, or or under an adult, like under 30 in, in your in your non-nativities? Yes. Well, nativity. Then, unfortunately, it's a nativity. If he's under 30, <laughs> if, he, if he did not stand up and read from the scroll right. of Isaiah. But, it, but y'all say I have a nativity set out as if there's like sheep and donkeys and, and I see all the things, the there's shepherds. A and, there's a little manger s- structure next to it. Yeah, it's and attached. It's, there's oh, a little there's, midi. I can't win here. There's a little midi that's playing a little town of Bethlehem over and over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, this is terrible. Uh, it was uh, if you you know keeping your finger on the pulse of culture. Yes. it was the Grammys last week. Yeah, and a big night for some of our friends. Um, Hillsong Worship ended up winning the Grammy. And, yeah. Uh, what was the song that they went for? I like knew it immediately, but I forget the name. Yep, of it what right a beautiful now. name! It's that song has a hundred million YouTube views. A hundred million. There wow. you go. So they're uh, they're going to be joining us later. Uh, also coming up later, uh, author and pastor Brian Zond is joining us. So you got your Hill song, you got your Brian Zond. We got the full spectrum. We really yeah. got to like button Big up show. and try to watch ourselves yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, we bring in bring in the worship, bring in the theology, mm-hmm. and then we have Jesse. That's so, what we've got. Yeah, yeah. It's, which perfect. is uh, uh, heretical and profane, and uh, also a lot of stuff edited out. So yeah, we have a full <laughs> spectrum today. Thanks, Hillsong. Congratulations on your first Grammy <laughs> to mark the to mark the milestone. It's Hillsong's first us. Grammy nomination and their first win. Isn't that crazy? It kind of is because they've been like, there's been like going back way before even like Darlene Check. Yeah, like the Shout current age the of Hillsong. And, oh. I mean, well, like who's going to be Darlene Check back in the day? I was about to hop yeah. in with you yeah. on that high third harmony. <laughs> That was beautiful. <laughs> you have a really pretty All voice. The Lord, let us sing. Oh. Ooh. That was a good, that was a good <laughs> jam. That was an anthem. That was an anthem yeah. back in the day. Yeah. That was yeah. a 
that's exactly like, even right. If, even if you weren't like, like, it wasn't, you didn't have the like impulse to like raise your hands. Like maybe you weren't really comfortable with that. When no, that never. chorus hits, shout to every feet, every hand goes up. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, yeah, a even Baptist like the, who doesn't it, do that. It was good you because know? the Baptists could get down with that. It was a psalm, yeah. you know, like a shout mm-hmm. to the Lord. Right. Which I'm down with. Yeah. Cause you're not adding any of that charismatic flavor to yeah, it. We get but it. It was a transitional, it was a gateway drug right. toward. Yeah. For the Baptists to be able to do kind of the the uppity songs, yeah. the up songs, yeah, but yeah. Still, still they're singing the Bible. That's right. Yeah, you don't. Well, right. you're the not other a hand thing raiser, is Baptists. Yeah, yeah. They like shouting. Oh, you are? oh, I'm a hand raiser. Oh man, I've yeah. never lifted my hands above my pockets. It's an act of really, surrender. Eddie. You're not a hand raiser. Not at all. For I'm me, very, honestly, very, very it is like it is uh, it is an act of surrender. It's like I have so much of my life that I control. In my worship experience, it is important for me to have a posture of humility. And so surrender. you are palms up kind of hand raiser. I'm a, I'm a, I can do a palms up, but I'm more of sure. a one hand fully extended oh. kind of oh. doing the above the but head that's, wave. That's yeah, new I'm church. More, I'm more of a, I'm more of a flag guy myself. I just <laughs> go, Jesse, or, go, go. <laughs> or I do, I do. <laughs> I shouldn't be making fun of, but I do, I do a lot of victory laps, full sprints around the auditorium, <laughs> oh, yeah. the flags waving proud. <laughs> But you know why that? Well, you know why Baptists oh, also far. like shout. You got to have the show far. I, I mean, this came up on the show, but I was at the Jesus Culture Conference last year, mm-hmm. and uh, Banning told me because they come from like the Bethel world, oh, which yeah. is the there. There's some. There's uh, more of the uh, you know the granola, the fruits and nuts are are kind of more in their <laughs> congregation. Mm-hmm. And, oh, wow. uh, and and so he said like Jesus Culture is a little bit more. You know, it's younger. It's more. You know, whatever. But they still attract some of the granolas. Yes. And so he said they had to have a special section in the back of the auditorium for the for the flag people oh, yeah. because Ooh. they wouldn't be all up in the front distracting everybody. Oh, I get so it. like in the back of this auditorium in this little corner, you see these little flags going around. So, so you're telling me that Jesus culture essentially has a free speech zone you know, where it's a free worship zone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do, you, do you know why zone. else Baptists really like the song Shout to the Lord? Because it involves shouting and they like, usually when they shout it's angrily at yeah. like hippies and people who don't talk shirts in, but it's a good gateway. It's a good gateway for them because they love shouting. Tuck your shirt in, hippie, we're at church. Annie, are you a hand raiser? You're a hand raiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a one, I'm, yeah. like, I'm like Cameron. Cameron and I have similar form. Yeah. I'm a one hand all the way up, but listen, when that shout to the Lord chorus drops, I'm dubs. Yeah. Both oh, hands yeah. are going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a 60% of the time, hand in the pocket, hand above the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like, I'm telling you, when it really hits, two hands up. Yep. For one one round and then it's back down again. In my that's life. That's right. I one round. Never. That's exactly right, really? Cameron. It just doesn't I mean my act of surrender is not watching CBS Sunday morning in my PJs. The fact that I'm there <laughs> where is good enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's scary. all God's getting from you. <laughs> yeah, that's I showed up. Yeah, that's what you get. What do you want, <laughs> God? Sir? I really am trying to figure out back in the day, like who, what Grammy, what in that Christian category, who beat out Darlene Check? Maybe there's you know, just that was wasn't, one of my questions, Cameron, is like, was that even a category? With the worship oh, thing. Oh, burned. So what category it, did they win, Jesse? It was, was probably it just that Christian music or was it like specifically no, it, worship? I think it was best contemporary Christian song. Okay, so this is an interesting pivot because oh. now yeah, I don't think they worship, like a worship category has overtaken you know, Christian pop music Christian. and right. contemporary Christian music right. as yeah. representative of the genre. That's interesting. That is interesting. It's a big it's a big shift. Do right they there. have do they that, have categories for other religions? Because there must be like a uh, all number of recordings that are bought by different religious. Yes, yeah, so I think there's like a a new agey kind of one. Hmm, interesting. Yanni takes it every year. Mm-hmm. 
to fast live at the Acropolis. I'm telling you, it's that's the only time I'll raise my hands. <laughs> One of my favorite stories on the, or moments on this podcast. It was back. I mean, we've been doing this twelve. 2005, almost 13 years, two and a half years, 12 and a half years now. Twelve and a half years. And if you remember back about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, we had uh, John Tesh on the show. That was I sadly one, one. When I look back on the things that I've missed. Yeah. I'm really sad about that. Yeah, so that's a big, we had big like deal. a 45 minute. Let's get to know John Tesh kind of mm-hmm. experience with him. Went Gosh. the full, the full life story. The I'm a big, when I do interviews, which is rare, I, I want to start at the beginning right. and yeah. walk me through how you became you. Yeah. And that's all I want to know. How did you become John Tesh? Getting behind the scenes of Mary Hart on entertainment. I'm tonight. telling you. What's I going wish on you'd have treated me in my living room that kindly. Cameron. Well, John Tesh doesn't have a JT. We already got. His, we, we already got to the bottom know. of it. It was oh, a. Yeah. It was America's Funniest Home Video boondoggle <laughs> on a phone call Amazon order. It happens. Let's move on. So thank you. So one of the my favorite stories that he told was how in the eighties when he was living in L.A. and oh. he was trying to make it in TV and whatever Driving a teal Corvette. He would go to the to to the beach and play uh, shirtless volleyball with Yanni. Yes. Yeah, yes. John Tesh and Yanni in the eighties doing the, the top gun right. on the beach of Venice. Yeah. And they never communicated about it. They just both were there <laughs> because they knew this is what has been required. Can you of imagine us. Right. two like oh those two guys yeah. playing shirtless volleyball. I'm like, looking at the list of uh categories yeah. and there's gospel contemporary Christian music is like the overarching yeah. genre. I think it's overarching. That is a hard one for me. I do not know which one it is. What? Uh, arcing or arching? Arching or arcing? It's overarching. Well, how's that spelled? With an H. Oh, well, okay. I mean, Best I, gospel performance or song. Best contemporary I mean, Christian music performance gospel. song. Gospel. Best gospel album. It's, Best it's con- gospel contemporary like Christian Jeff. music album. So there's, there's, a, there's a difference. Gospel <laughs> album or contemporary Christian music. So basically black and white. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, okay. but there are no other religious categories. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That seems messed up. There's a lot of categories that have been eliminated. Yeah. No, I think, Eddie, I, I, I come to the contrarian because there sh- I think it's a good move because I don't think there should be like best Christian hip hop album. I think those hip hop albums should just be. No, he was saying, I'm saying like, there's not like there's Jewish religions. And, and there's like it's a lot Christian of people in America that are like Jewish and Muslim and all kinds right. of different. And I'm sure that there are really popular artists within each of those. There was a, a category called an inspirational performance. Yeah. But okay. That was, so that'd that be your was discontinued. Yeah. That was discontinued in 1986. Yeah. But I don't know if they have their own like subgenre. I'm sure there are very popular Jewish and Muslim artists, but I don't know that they have like subgenres. You know? Yeah. All right. We're moving the show along. It's time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Hey, in case you missed it, Christian hip-hop artist and former Toby Mac band member, mm-hmm. Byron Mr. Talkbox, uh, was a part of six Grammy-nominated songs or albums. So the artist and producer was involved in nominations in six categories, including Best Reggae Album, Best R&B Album, Best Rap Sung Performance for Kendrick Lamar's Loyalty, Record of the Year for Bruno Mars, Album of the Year for releases from Bruno Mars and Kendrick, and yes, Best contemporary Christian music album for Mercy Me's Lifer. This guy that is like has the done weirdest. Kendrick and Mercy Me in yeah. the same year. <laughs> Dude, props to this so cat, crazy. man. Seriously. Yeah. So uh, on Instagram, he wrote, What an incredible year I've had representing the talk box in mainstream music in a major way. Wow, to God be all glory. 
what a man incredible year I've had. He said about himself. That's great. <laughs> hey, what a what? Incredible I, I, year good for listen, you, man. Listen, if there's any, if there's any time it's appropriate to, to congratulate yourself, there's two <laughs> scenarios. One, if you're LeBron James and you preemptively congratulate your younger self for scoring 30,000 points, which he did on Instagram. Or yeah. if you're nominated <laughs> in every category from best reggae to best rap to best album to best CCM, come on, man. That yeah. deserves, Serious. that deserves some props to yourself. Good job, yeah. Mr. Talkbox. That's true. I agree. Uh, in case you missed it, Kendrick Lamar opened the Grammys this week with a stunning performance featuring appearances by U2 and, of course, Dave Chappelle. Okay. What? U2. I know. U2 and Sting. Yeah, it's weird. Cool. <laughs> Sting and Shaggy. Yeah. Right. What happened to the Grammys this year? There were, like, clearly some highlights, like Kendrick and Couple our friends that are coming up. But, yeah. like, generally, yeah. it seemed a little messed up, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I guess I'm not the only one messed thinking up. this. Yeah, it was like weird artists that were like not really super current. It and felt, it felt token. Like it was just like, oh, what weird. is this? I like, what is this trying to represent? Yeah. It's yeah. like what's going on right now in music. Yeah, it's not yeah but this. but isn't that the story of the Grammys this year in general? I yeah. mean, aside from aside from uh, uh, Kendrick, I mean, they they they, one, they had one female artist like win in a major category. They Lord was the only artist who was nominated for album of the year that didn't get invited to perform solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was just happened to be the only woman nominated in that category. I feel like being completely out of touch yeah. is in line with the, the major criticism of the Grammys. Like they just, you know, Bruno Mars winning best album. I mean, come on. Bruno like, Mars sweeping. I mean, yeah. it wasn't that he won best album. It was that he won every category he was in. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. Oh, uh, well, anyway, the performance, which featured verses from several of uh, the artist's most recent songs, immediately started trending on Twitter. Here's a clip. That's There you go. Hey, in case you missed it, we have an update. I'm ready. Oprah announced yeah. she is not running for president. Okay. Did good. she? Good for yeah. her. Despite her longtime partner, Stedman Graham, previously hinting at a run. Following hinting that he was hoping. <laughs> following <laughs> Oprah's stirring Golden Globe speech, politics apparently are not in her future. In an interview with InStyle magazine, uh, she said, I've always felt very secure and confident with myself and knowing what I could do and what I could not. And so it's not something that interests me. I don't have the DNA for it. I met with someone the other day who said that they would help me with the campaign. That's not for me. But thankfully, The Rock, <laughs> he's still in. Yeah, yeah. So, America, uh, America still has hope. We, we yeah, still have President yeah. Rock to look yeah. forward to. I have a oh question about Stedman, though. Yeah. Right? Um, y- y- you know, in the, in the event that a, y- like, with, with most of our previous presidents, they've been, they've been married and their spouse has been known as the first lady. Right. In this case, Oprah and Stedman, though they're, they're probably common law, they would probably be technically common law married, but I think they're just long time like partners and are yeah. not married. What would Stedman Graham's title? Would he be first man? First yeah, boyfriend. Fascinating. What first boyfriend? First, first partner. First partner. First partner. Whoa. That's weird. Mr. President and first partner. <laughs> Mrs. President. President. You couldn't even say, you know, uh, Mr. and Miss Oprah Winfrey or whatever. You know, you, it would because he's Stedman Graham. They're not married. Matt, it'd be I Madam would vote President. for her just to see how this would play out, to well, be honest would, with you. What would just a, what, if they were married, what would well, he be called would, to be the first gentleman? 
I don't know, but that would have been uh, Bill Clinton. I mean, well, if but Hillary they, won. they got to skip that because he's still Mr. President. He's the president. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so they never had to talk about that. It would probably be first gentleman, first lady, and first gentleman. Yeah, I thought it was Madam President. And then, yeah, it is, but her. but it's not first madam, it's first lady, you know. That's yeah. weird. It doesn't yeah. the the naming scheme doesn't work for everything. But but but, but what it's the, almost the, like the, the it's almost like the white male landowners who made the system didn't mm. think that there would ever be a situation <laughs> right. where they're like, all right, we've got it all figured out for rich white guys to be yeah. president forever. Right. Yeah. What if right. there's a talk show host who's very popular, who is a woman, and who has a longtime boyfriend? Well, they didn't think of that scenario, <laughs> yeah. now, did they? No. I mean, could we just call him Stedman? Because no, everyone will know. <laughs> Madam President and Stedman. People are like, yep. Well, it wouldn't be first man. It'd be Stedman. Right? Oh, God. Boy. Madam President and hey, Stedman. Hey, what's her magazine called, yes. Cameron? Uh, oh. 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 I like I'm that. Sure Somebody she has using, a-, a powerful woman using her initials. I'm into it. Oh. Does she have a um, woman who has stare at Let's her just take a moment to... <laughs> To acknowledge that Annie just drew a pretty solid line between her and, and Oprah. Oprah. Yeah. Because All dang day. <laughs> I respect it. Yeah, so do I. In case you missed it, uh, an actress from Black Panther said the set was almost like church with actors sharing their testimonies. So Nigerian actress Sope Aluko, uh, who stars in the new film Black Panther, alongside Forrest Whitaker, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Michael B. Jordan, and others in the new Marvel Cinematic Universe blockbuster, Recently gave an interview with the site OKAfrica.com and provided an interesting anecdote about the production. Aluko, who is an outspoken Christian, said, It felt very familiar and like home. We had early call times, but I didn't even feel the long set hours because it was such a good time. I didn't feel like I was amongst stars. Everyone was so down to earth and normal. During breaks, we shared our testimonies of how we got to where we did, and most of the people were testifying to God's miracles. It was almost like church. The movie drops on February 16th. They had the premiere this week. It's, the uh, reviews are really good. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's hard to judge reviews based on just the premiere because a lot of the people invited, um, you know, have some kind of... There, 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 there are critics there, but it's not all critics. But right. the, 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 all the feedback I've seen this morning... You know, I've seen the word like astonishing in there, better than Star Wars. It it looks the best MCU movie. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Did y'all see the thread that old Tyler did on Twitter about the movie about Black Panther? No. No. Oh, it's amazing because he compares how he thinks that Black Panther could be a modern retelling of the Lion King. He did screenshots of both. Oh, it's brilliant. Andy, was he saying that basically he feels like that the the storyline is the same? Yeah, that it's like a modern interpretation of that story. Yeah. 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 Son, legacy, evil uncle. I'm just over threads. Lots of scars. You yeah. get one. You are over threads. I saw you say that. Why? Because uh, we should say it in 280 or don't say it at all. Uh, or close to 280. You know, <laughs> it, it feels like it's just too much, too much reading. It's a whole thing. Uh, There's a reason why you could just do a blog. Just do a blog. Link do a to blog. your blog post. You know, you hop on a Tumblr. Yeah, I Anything. mean, it's like, just type what you got to type, and then send the link to Twitter. All of a sudden, I get 98 <laughs> tweets about whatever. It's like, Eddie, Eddie like, is, is, is <laughs> I say slowly, but I think rapidly turning into a grumpy old man. Yeah, I, I think mean, I can't read good. more than three tweets <laughs> well, in a row. No, I, 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 I don't have time for this. <laughs> what I think is interesting about these threads is, like, watching the reactions to the different ones. It's like, it's like if I was to write an article, mm-hmm. and I wanted to know sentence by sentence what you mm. thought of that sentence. Yes, that's right. Tell me, do you like this sentence? Do you like this sentence? Do yeah. you like this sentence? Because you can see like 287 on this one and the next one's like 
211, 812, 100. Like, like, oh, this sentence really connected. This yeah. sentence, not so much. I mean, like, what in the world? Just write a blog. I, I yeah. The other thing, too, is they're just, with everything that's happening, I, I think I just have fatigue over the influx of of people feeling as though we have to hear their five paragraphs on this really important issue. Because it's right. like, okay. We got it. It's just, it's just enough is enough. But I don't know. I, I know that I'm wrong and I know I'm curmudgeonly on that. But it <laughs> but is the, just hey, like, you understand oh you are saying this into a microphone on a podcast where you just spent a lot of time giving your personal take on five different culture stories. You know what I mean? That, that's kind of the era room. that we're in, that, that people can have a platform to express ideas. But I don't, I don't I expect, expect people are listening because of my hot takes. I think they just like want to make my little jokes. I expect a full thread on your thoughts on Annie's living room. On no, Twitter now that this week, I could get. I have it. a very in-depth Tom Bergeron versus Bob Saget thread. Yeah. I think I think that is it. Versus Alfonso Bramera. Uh, how do you say his last name? From he's the it's new close host. enough. It's Carlton. It's Carl. Oh, just call Carlton. Carlton. Yeah. Alfonso yeah. Carlton. It's Alfonso Rivera, isn't it? Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, I think it's Rivera. Arnold Ramirez. <laughs> I said Alfonso. Hey, and lastly, in case you missed it, this week I mentioned it earlier. Elon Musk is selling super dangerous flamethrowers for some reason. The billionaire inventor and entrepreneur uh, is known for his technical innovations that seek to revolutionize how people travel, like his electric car company, Tesla, to his futuristic uh, rocket company, SpaceX. But his latest endeavor, the boring company, has a different goal to sell super expensive and very dangerous toys, apparently. On Saturday night, he unveiled a $500 flamethrower, saying on Twitter, obviously a flamethrower is a super terrible idea. Definitely don't buy one unless you like fun. He actually, did you see how he did other tweets talking about like, no, despite what you're saying, I am not creating a zombie apocalypse and then yeah. <laughs> cornering the market on flamethrowers and stuff. And he went into this yeah, whole see, explanation. I it was a joke because I saw that sort of stuff on like. I right. saw that first and he was like, I, where would you even make, you'd yeah. have to do millions of zombies and where would I even get a warehouse right. that big? Right. And all There's something stuff. to he's him. Like, he, he like plays into the jokes that people yeah. make about him on Twitter. Yeah. So yeah. like. Jesse, I just, yeah. do you love him? I feel like he would be like. I do love sensei. him. Like, I feel like if I had billions of dollars, he would be <laughs> at least to, to some degree be doing the stuff like I would want to do. Sure. And the other thing too is like, I, I love that the fact that like whenever someone releases something like what one, you know, if, if, if there are any kind of like consumer level flamethrower, everyone wants to do the same thing with it. They want to aim it at their friends and see how close they can get it to them without burning them up. Right. 100%. Like that's what you do with the flamethrower. <laughs> that's move one. A. Yeah, yeah that, obviously. <laughs> but the thing is, like, if you were to go to the hardware store and buy something comparable, if they even sell it like some kind of cool blowtorch thing, it would say all over it. Do not point at people. The, you know, like do mm -hmm. not aim it at people. Do not point at people. Never do this. And even on this, like he could have been selling a flamethrower that looks like a space gun, which it does, but he could have like <laughs> labeled it like a uh, campfire starter or something. And it's yeah. like, wink, wink. It's like when you go to the flea market and you're not allowed to sell ninja stars, and they have them labeled as paper paperweights, right? Or same thing with right, pogs. Right, like, I right. can't bring it. When I was in elementary school, I couldn't bring a ninja star to school for obvious reasons. But, hey, this is just a pog slammer that looks like one with sharp edges. Like, but he just leaned into it. His promo video was him chasing the cameraman with a flamethrower going. Like, he does not care. And I appreciate that about him. Here's the thing about Elon Musk. Yeah. One of 15. 
I think that like <laughs> thread, thread. But but truly, I think that like I just can't. As long as he continues to do the real stuff that feels like it's changing the world, like like we may actually go, we may actually go to space in our lifetime. Well, I mean, they're guy. they're launching the Falcon Heavy here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we may actually yes. like change how cars are like made in America because like of solar this guy. energy and all that stuff. Yeah, so he can just do all the other silly stuff. It's yeah. when that stuff starts stopping that I'm like. Okay, this but guy's why? Right. But why? Someone because else. Because then I feel like he just mantle. turns into banana. He's well, like bananas. what's funny to me is that he's got <laughs> SpaceX and he has Tesla. And I, I visited SpaceX yeah. uh, out in LA. It yeah. was incredible. Um, the uh, but what's interesting now is that he that wasn't enough. He started the Boring Company to just kind of like explore his random ideas. Like the Boring Company mm-hmm. is the one that he's trying to do that underground network, the tunnels yeah. connecting the cities and stuff like that. Yeah. The Hyperloop stuff. Yep. That's the boring. And then flamethrowers you know it's just like yeah it's i just think he's just like a grab bag yeah he's like a i think he's just like a cheeky little boy <laughs> just yeah. like it's like ah, he's tony gonna, stark right with flamethrowers yeah i was gonna, to I was gonna say he, you know what he, he's tony stark melded with phil dunphy is that's that's <laughs> elon musk so he's jesse <laughs> carey <laughs> with billions of dollars right with yeah. billions of dollars a very wealthy jesse yeah there you go all right well that'll do it for in case you missed it stay tuned up next slices Listening to Oh Pep. Song is Half Life. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Joan with Tokyo. We sound like Laney. Yeah. Well, this week's show is brought to you in part by Movement Watches. I love Movement Watches. I love them. It not only looks good, it's still uh, chugging along. It is yeah. strange like quality. It is the watch that I call out most on other people that I didn't know was a movement watch. Yeah. But like my friend Chris, I'm like, hey, nice watch. Uh, Always yeah. movement. movement was uh, started by a couple of college dropouts that wanted to start their own watch company, and it's crazy how fast it's grown. Yeah. They've sold over or almost two million watches in over 160 countries now, and they continue to revolutionize fashion in the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. If you thought uh, gift giving was all over after Christmas, uh, hey, Valentine's Day is coming, and Movement now has uh, women's bracelets, high quality sunglasses. Uh, obviously, the watches, they have a whole line of stuff. It's amazing. Great Yay. style, great quality, great price points. Whether you're shopping for him or her, you can find everything that they have in uh, Movement's limited edition gift box. It's all curated by Movement's in-house stylists with their trendiest pieces that your special someone will love. Yeah, and I, I'll say this, too. If, if, if you are giving to a special someone who happens to be very reckless like me, um, yeah. that, that, wild, that is known to wildly flail their, their arms and wrists, and it happens to bang into walls, they yeah. will last. I've done it numerous times while <laughs> wearing a movement. That uh, is actually... You know, sometimes, sometimes I'm just in a blind rage, just waving my arms wildly. <laughs> sometimes the chorus of Shout to the Lord hits, and my arms go wild, and I hit something. The movement watch 
can take a beating and That's still right. not get scratched and look good. It's a, it's a quality product. Yep. Jesse, I'm imagining you have like gumby arms that are just very long and slap into things so, a lot. Oh, some, yeah. Sometimes when I'm like watching sports, you ever see those uh, like inflatable guys at the car wash or whatever that just kind of like go up and down? That's me at like a basketball game. And I've, I've accidentally backhanded Cameron in the face numerous times wearing a, a movement watch. Cameron took, you know, I, I, I thought I broke his nose one time, but the movement watch? Was totally nope, fine. So it was totally all good. Fine. <laughs> you can get fifteen percent off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash relevant. Go to mvmt.com slash relevant and uh, check out their Valentine's gift guide and join the movement. And you know, if you want, you could probably buy very large letters of MVMT, put it on mm-hmm. your mantle. It might all be right. nice. Yeah. Might be beautiful. Might be beautiful. made out of watches. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cypher Slices, what do you have, Jesse? All right, well, uh, I know we're already deep into it, and but I'm I, I, I'm going to give one slice and just an update about something that I saw online that's not technically a slice. <laughs> I love so I'm when you do this, Jesse. Um, Cameron, did you, did you see someone that lived our dream uh, this week at a, at a Pelicans game? Oh, my word. Uh, so, <laughs> you don't know how many people sent me this video. went viral. I mean, I got on Instagram. I got on Twitter. Yeah, people yeah. emailed it to me. Uh, at a at a New Orleans Pelicans game, yeah. prior to the game starting, somebody was filming a guy who had courtside seats wore because in the team shop you can buy authentic NBA apparel. Yeah. He bought the warm up pants and the warm up jacket that the players wear. Right. He wore it. This guy, Great normal job. height guy, probably rocking about two hundred forty pounds right. on a five eleven frame. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. He he looked like a journeyman guard at the end of his career. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I mean at the very end of his yeah. career. Well you know what I'm saying? Well so, like, so he's that, there. What's the backup guard for the uh, for uh, the the Warriors that played at Carolina? Has oh. been in the league forever. It was, it was about that level. You know, it's like an Raymond, old Byron Davis uh, era. Byron Davis body. or yeah. Raymond Felton. Raymond yeah. Felton. Yeah, yeah Raymond Felton. In. That's what I was thinking. He could have passed for one of those type of guys. You know. So this dude, he's just a fan. Yeah. Kind of chunky like a Raymond. Well, well Felton. I have a backstory on him, but but you said do the setup. He's got courtside seats. Yeah. And somebody's filming him. He gets out there while the players are warming up, shooting baskets, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And he starts doing these like exaggerated stretching things like jumping, hopping. Is he on the court? On, the, on court, the court. Like on the edge of the court but like on the court and then eases more into the court. And he's doing like jumping up and down, like jumping jack and he's like flailing his, his knees and he's yeah. just kind of loosening up, loosening yeah. up. And then one of the ball boys, he kind of calls for it, one of the ball boys just throws him it. the ball. He takes a shot, da da da. And he's going and then like somebody's filming it. It goes viral. Obviously uh, a security guard comes out like you don't look like one of the players and you know, told him to sit down and kind of gave him a finger wag and yeah, yelled at him, yeah. but sit down in your seats or sort of a thing. Yeah. Right? This is y'all's down. dream, Jesse and shocking. Cameron. This it's is your dream. dream to do this? It's yeah. the dream. Well, and it's totally doable, but I will say this after doing some more research on this Cameron, I found out he sort of had an inside connection. Um, he was in town. His name is Tony Perkins. He's a comedian and Boogie Cousins, who is a star of the team. Um, he was throwing like a comedy night and as for some fundraiser and this guy was in town for that. So he probably knew DeMarcus Cousins, but here's the interesting thing is DeMarcus Cousins, I'm not even sure if he was president because he just went down with a horrific Achilles tear. So it's not like he had an inside man on the court, you know, it was still a courageous move and it should be noted. It wasn't a fellow. It wasn't like one of DeMarcus Cousins teammates that threw him the ball so that he could do his wild jump shot from the court. Corner, it was a ball boy who was tricked. Yeah, if right. you trick a ball boy, someone who's out there every game, yeah, he probably thinks, "Oh, this is some G League guy that they brought up." 
You know? I'm telling you, like I, so people were sending this to me. I mean, one of my buddies who's got a bunch of games with me, he's like, listen, you're about the height of DJ Augustine, one of our short point guards. He's yeah. like, you could, no problem. You know, I think you could get out there for about 20 seconds before you. And the funny thing is I'm actually Do friends it. with all the security guards on my end of the court. They all know me. They give me fist bumps before the game. So I wouldn't right. go out there without them noticing, but they might give me a little bit of a pass for about 20 seconds. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, they could. But other people, Jesse, were telling me that our original dream is still better, where I actually wear a suit and bring that basketball clipboard <laughs> yeah, and sidle coach. up during a timeout. You could The key there is, is it's a slow play. So like every timeout, you know, the first one, you just kind of stand up in your seat. The next one, you kind of walk back and forth a little. And over the course of the game, you're closer and closer to the by the end. You're drawing up the last minute play on your clipboard. I want to say also, like, the, the, the problem with that is, is like, you know a lot about basketball. So it would be like, okay, this guy's not supposed to be here, but darn it if he didn't make a good point. Cameron, the other problem is, what if you're really good at it and then you have to start doing it every game and you always have to wear a suit? That's, I mean, that's not what you're signing yeah, up Cameron, for. Cameron, I'm going to call, I'm, after the show today, because I just found out his identity this morning. Otherwise, I would have tried to make it happen earlier. But um, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to reach out to Tony Perkins. I'm going to see if we can get him <laughs> on the pod next week and give you some tips because I he had it. this well thought out. I think oh, he will probably great. do it. Because he planted a guy in the crowd to film him. You know what I mean? It was great. It was thoughtful. It was really funny. All right. So I'm going to work on Tony. Okay. Now now for my real slice, and I will keep it brief. Oh, yeah. That's Um, right. (laughs) A lot of you guys may be familiar with Steven Soderbergh, the the Hollywood producer and director. Uh He's he's produced a ton of stuff, but he's directed films like the recently Logan Lucky, uh, Contagion, The Informant, Ocean's 12, and Ocean's 11, Solaris, Sam Brockovich, a ton of movies. Um, A real innovative guy, too, when it comes to film making his new movie is coming out it's it's like a psychological thriller it's called unsane but the plot of the movie isn't really what is i think is most interesting about it uh what's interesting is it was shot entirely with iphones um and it wasn't like part of a gimmick he just wanted to see if he could do it he 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 told uh, reporters at a press conference he said i think this is the future anyone going to see this movie who has no idea the backstory of the production will have no idea it was shot on a phone that's not even part of the conceit people forget this is 4k capture i've seen a 40 foot tall and it looks like velvet this is a game changer to me so this wow. is a hollywood filmmaker who has all the resources in the world that the the movie isn't about like iphones or like it's not like a black mirror type of thing about technology he just wanted to see if he could do it shoot a feature film uh with like you know actual actors and and sets and productions on iphones and he, and he did it it's feature length um and i watched a trailer and you can kind of tell that it's not a traditional film, but I wouldn't know that it's iPhone. But I think like if you're like a young filmmaker who doesn't have the resources for like a red cam or something, that should be pretty inspiring. What's it called? Yeah, seriously. It's called Unsane. Unsane? Yeah. Like insane this, with this, a U. This seems too good to be true. Is Apple, is Apple, did you say like, is Apple paying for this? Also what Certainly. iPhone? That's my question. Well, like, like, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, it's like, oh, th- these young filmmakers can't afford a $10,000 red camera. True. But can they afford a ten a thousand dollar camera well, phone? Reds are a lot more than $10,000, aren't they? They're, no, like, they? they're like 20 or 20. I mean, you can soup them up. Yeah. yeah, yeah but, but with like the lenses and everything, I mean, you could get into like six figures with that kind yeah. of stuff, you know? But, but yeah, I mean, they might not be able to afford an iPhone, but they they might i mean a lot of people a lot of kids a lot of you know 
high schoolers and college age people who might be interested in career in filmmaking, I feel like could be able to save a thousand dollars. I'm watching the trailer and I agree with you. There are certain shots that you actually can't tell that it's a shot on a phone and there are certain shots that you definitely, definitely can. Yeah. You, well, know, well, so you can, you can tell it's not traditional film, but I would, I wouldn't suspect that's an iPhone. A phone. Right. Yeah, you're right. right. You're you right. would just go, they're doing some new technology that and I don't I'm know. I'm sure he's treating it in post-production, but still just the production itself, you know, the, the barrier to entry on that is, is lowered. Also, did they have like a steady cam and like all this yeah. other gear? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's definitely so jibs and yeah, steady yeah. cams. I mean, cause he's walking down the hallways with yeah, it. Yeah, stuff. True, true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, some of the camera movement is beautiful. It, yeah. it is definitely shot weird. I mean, you can tell like something's off about this and you can't put your finger on it. Yeah. Um, but so. still, there, there's another filmmaker, Sean Baker. He actually made the Flor- the guy who made Flor- the Florida Project. Um, he first made a name for himself for the movie in 2015 called Tangerine uh, that was shot entirely oh. with iPhones. The Florida Project yeah. wasn't, but his first feature was. Can you imagine um, like being an actor signing up for a role <laughs> and then you show up and it's like, there's a guy with a camera <laughs> or a phone. Uh, yeah. Yeah, his, phone. his iPhone. You're like, are you taking a picture of me? He's like, no, we're filming right yeah. now. And he's yeah, like, right. why are you wearing a full NBA warm up? Oh, don't worry about it. I got a whole thing going. It's, this is legit though. This is legit. This is totally legit. That's funny. All right. What do you have, Annie? Okay. So this may just throw us into a bit of a chaotic debate, but I'm going for it because I saw on a Twitter thread, Eddie, that this is a real question. How many holes does a straw have? Okay. So I'm reading through this. How many holes does a straw have? Y'all need to think about that for just a second. One hole. A straw has one hole. Listen. So listen, here's some options. I got a couple of tweets of people responding. A guy named Gene Goldstein said, if you poke a hole in the middle and blow water into it, you would be blowing water into one hole and it would be coming out of two holes. Thus, there are two holes originally. Okay, so there's a two-holer theory. Hang on. Here's Malin. She says straws have one hole because would you say a donut has two holes? No. A straw is just a long plastic donut. It's not long. Yeah, enough. let me say this. I went pretty deep down because this was like this was a Twitter event on Sunday, yes. right? I yes. think it started as like a discussion on, and it was Jesse's uh, anniversary, so we had to have something to do. Yeah, I had so. to have something to do, and it was. Uh-huh. I think I think it started on part of my take, a, a podcast where they're having a debate, but it became like a Twitter event. Yeah. Annie, I had to, I read some pretty convincing takes. What? Okay, so you've gone down this rabbit hole as well. Well, yes, I was giving you a, a two hole and a one hole, and then I have a third one, and then I want to hear y'all's thoughts. Okay. okay. What, yeah. Here's I the hear third it. one from Jacob Stancliffe. He says, <laughs> In other words, hey guys, sh- shut up for a second. Let me finish my slice, and yeah, then exactly, you go ahead. Jesse. Yeah, come <laughs> on. I'm just saying, have some context for, for. Okay, go yeah, ahead. He's right. We're sorry. We're on the same team. The Jacob Stancliffe says, uh, straw has no holes. Because all it is, if you rolled up a flat sheet of paper and make it into a tube, did that paper suddenly have a hole? No. <gasps> you guys, does a straw have two holes, one holes, or n- one hole, or no holes? Okay, if, okay, but a sheet of paper is a flat thing that you would roll up, and like that's different. A straw and so does is it have formed. a hole now? A but, straw is formed. Yeah, but it was originally a piece of plastic. But a hole is a two-dimensional But it's construct. made with a mold. I mean, it's like it is not a flat thing it's, rolled. It's like it's, there is no triangle in the world. It's something that's triangular in shape. But 
It's a it's a two dimensional. Like, <laughs> well, that's form. not true, Eddie. You could if if you were, if there was you walked outside. There's a giant hole in the ground. You stepped in it. You wouldn't be like I just stepped into an abstract construct of a shape that I did. It's like no, dude. You stepped in a hole. No, there's a hole a in hole. the ground, and you stepped into it. It's, it's yes, does your garbage triangle. hole have one holes or two holes? No, it's called a hole, but it's actually a cylinder. Right. So are you a no holer? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there are no holes. It's a cylinder. The whole thing Wait. is a cylinder. Wait, th- there's no hole. So what does the water go into? Like Eddie, I'm it sorry. Into hey, Eddie, the I respect your take that it could be either one or two, but Eddie's take that holes don't even exist is no. He's saying it's an open cylinder. It's just a cylinder. It's not a hole. A it's cylinder. It's not a solid object that a hole was punched into. That, that, and if that cylinder, if you cut a two dimensional plane across it, it would be a circle. But it that is not that does a circle does not exist in the dimensional world. It only spheres exist. <laughs> Oh boy! What? Of course they exist. What is a hula hoop? Spheres what is a hula hoop? Only spheres and cylinders. That is a very no. thin cylinder. It because so, it, ha- it has measurement. So what is your answer then, Eddie? If the question is how many holes does a straw have, do you say none? There are yeah, no but Eddie, holes. A hole isn't a shape. You understand that, right? There isn't like oh, there's circle, triangle, diamond, hexagon, and hole. <laughs> a hole. A hole is like a definable thing. It's not an abstract concept that exists in math. There are actual holes in the world. Yes. Jesse has a garbage hole, remember? There are holes in this world. I, I, I mean, obviously, let me interject. I, I little inside baseball, a little behind the scenes. I've been make, making eyeballs with the producer. We've been trying to call Science Mike. He's your brother. He's your brother. Y'all can do it. Just that saying, for years. like, he has a job other than <laughs> right. just being my brother. And uh, we were trying to say, like, we got to get Science Mike on. Get yeah. Science Mike to right. solve this. Yeah. Science Mike, not available. No. Right. Oh. So, so we uh, have to how, solve it ourselves. Can, can, I, can I throw a, soft, uh, a thought experiment out there that's really going to you know, blow up this whole thing? Everything you thought you knew about the straw hole argument is about to go out the window right now. <laughs> Imagine two straws. Like, uh, like, yeah, inter- cr- crisscrossing, and like somehow they're welded together to become one straw with four different uh, areas. So, like, um, holes. Uh, a straw Some with say four, four different entry holes. points that that are pointing in opposite directions. At that point, are you, that's four holes? Are we? Are we right? It's four holes. No, that is still zero holes. <laughs> that is two cylinders. Eddie, you're already, okay. Can, that Eddie, is two cylinders Eddie's, intersecting. This disqualified because this makes no sense. That <laughs> do not exist in I the world. I gotta tell you, I'm on a whole like, different plane he, of thought, and Twitter is going to definitely prove me right this week. There yeah. is no yeah. hole in the physical universe. Cameron, what is your well, take on the? You can observe holes. Is that four holes? Are there two I th- holes? I think in the we're. Straw? I think we're. I think that it's just an open cylinder. I don't think we're talking about holes or not. Cameron I think it's and just, I, we're in a whole different plane of understanding, yeah, though. So yeah. what does a rabbit jump into when he goes down to his That home? is a hole, man. It that is, was a solid object called Earth that a, a that you excavated to create a negative void to which we've called a hole. Which we've called a, a hole, hole. But in truth is actually a cylinder that they're jumping into. <laughs> no, it is a hole. It is <laughs> a rabbit a hole. hole. No one disputes this, Eddie. Like, uh, okay, what about a traffic tunnel? Like, are it like... If you're driving down the road and you like near here me, they have bridge tunnels, right? Yes. Like it's it's a road that goes under the water. Yeah, we and all you know drive through a giant hole. Is that well, not yeah, a Jesse? Hole? I'm on your team until I've never one time said yeah. I got. I'll call y'all back when I get out of this tunnel hole. 
Yeah, no, it's not. Like, that's not a hole. <laughs> yeah, I think cylinder. I think we're talking about is like. I think the terminology of saying the ends of a straw are the holes. You know, like there's is there one hole on one? Is it one long hole or is there two hole openings? Sort of a thing, right? right. It, it, but it is a cylinder. It is a tunnel. It is not a solid object that has a hole in it. The, it's, the thing is, people are are confusing. They're using hole to either describe a cylinder, right, which is actually this conversation, no, no, no. Uh, okay. or a hole it, it, to but, describe but, but, a you're circle. You're getting fixated on the shape of the hole. I feel like. Holes can be no. shape. No. It's a hole. No. No. You know? No. No. That's true because no. those zany straws that are square and star shaped and yeah. well, those what does it, what does it being cylinder. cylinder have to do anything, Eddie? That's what I'm confused by. I'm very perplexed by that. Like <laughs> if a hole is just like a random odd shape. <laughs> Somebody asked me this weekend what this show is about. And I tried to say like it's like really formative and amazing. Then it goes way off the rails. Then it comes back. This is that moment. I don't know how to answer I don't think it. I've ever been more infuriated in the in the course of recurring. <laughs> no one. way, man. This That's is why I'm hearing Eddie dispute <laughs> the idea that holes even this. exist. Like that you're saying there should be no word hole because holes aren't real. This is right. back to the great pork ham debate of 2015. I just think we got to agree to disagree on this. But no one, no one says holes aren't real. No yeah, one. Eddie, I've never heard someone you're, say. You're acting like holes don't exist, and they that's don't. impossible. No. Hole, holes as they are. See, the problem is hole can mean cylinder or it can mean circle. People no, are talking it doesn't, about. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It can be a square shape. I could dig in the ground a tiny square. And, right. it, and it goes very deep. <laughs> right. And if you were to drop something in there, you would have said, yeah, I dropped it down the hole. The, the shape of the interior, the, the, the top of the hole has nothing to do with it, Eddie. I feel, I honestly feel like we're talking different languages right here. And I'm trying, I'm trying not to like, like get frustrated. Thread. Yeah. It's an audible like, thread. Who cares? Oh, Jesse, I despise you. Oh, and love you so much. At the same time, it's hard to know how to love you. Sometimes it is. <laughs> I feel like you're what? like gaslighting us right now, Eddie. Yes. No, I really, I really am not. I believe it thoroughly, but I also know that I have absolutely. Someone just no- taught me what gaslighting is. I've never heard. It's it. what Eddie's doing to us right now. For sure, it is. It's like when you walk in a room and the lights are on, and then you turn the lights off, and the people in the room say, "I thought the lights were on." You say, "No, they weren't." It's when no, you make when other you people think they're crazy, Eddie. That's we the- need science. Oh. <laughs> All right, what do you have, Eddie? Well, I am going to just wrap this up with. Uh, just a little story that I saw, and it just made me feel very good about the world and about this young woman named Jade uh, Hemeister. I'm not sure. Anyhow, Jade, who is, I believe, 16 years old, gave a TED Talk. In uh, And in this TED Talk, she talked about her adventure to the North Pole. And my phone just died. So she talked about her <laughs> adventure to the North Pole. And uh, it was just like this inspiring talk. And it was amazing because she was so young. And yay, good for her. Well, in the comments, uh, apparently a very popular comment for really unkind trolls to make to women is uh, like something about them making a sandwich. Is that like a popular like go make me a sandwich? Yeah. yeah. Like get back in the kitchen sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. So someone says that to her and apparently she doesn't respond and it got a lot of likes and it became like kind of one of the more popular trollish comments on this video that she did about basically doing an incredible accomplishment, making it up to the North Pole. So last week on Instagram, she posts a picture of herself. She is holding a sandwich and she says, I made you a sandwich. Now ski 37 days and 600 kilometers <laughs> to the South Pole and you can eat it. What she did not say is not only did she do that, but she did that while dragging a 220 pound sled behind her. Great I comeback. would say of all of the troll comebacks of all time, yeah. this girl wins it. So yeah. I was very proud of her and wanted to give verbal high fives to her. 
Yeah. How, how, how do you all deal with trolls? With with people who say unkind things, trying to bait you into something, do you just ignore it altogether? Or you just do you keep go, making your point that a hole is a cylinder, and you just keep you just keep hammering away at that, geez. hoping that they stop. <laughs> Annie, what's your strategy when you encounter a troll o- online? I usually ignore. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my go-to because it, it, it's just not fun. You know me; I'm looking for fun and playing back and forth with a troll who's not happy with me for when they don't even really know me and really enjoyable. Yeah, I got from, I mean, I got my strategy from you via Bob Goff, who just said like, oh, just block, 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 just get rid of all of it. I just totally extricate that from my life. Yeah, Yeah, Bob told me that a long time ago. Yeah. He just said block it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with critics? He said, oh, you just delete and block. Yeah. He's like, I I don't need that. It's not real. Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't mind people disagree. I thought he would be like Mr. Empathy, like, oh, I'll try to talk to them and why understand why they're so upset. Nope. He just deletes and blocks. Yeah. I'm like, well, if Bob Goff does it, then by yeah. golly. People having a respectful dialogue and disagreeing, though, is yeah. not trolling. I'm okay with right. pushback, especially if it's thoughtful. But when they start saying words like, you should have done this, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, we're getting there. And then when it just is rude. Because you know what out. the internet has done is it's given voice to everyone. So all the people who maybe in high school or middle school felt like they had no voice and were on the receiving end yeah. now feel all the permission to be on the giving end. Right now they have a voice and now they can talk directly to people who otherwise would never pay attention to them. And so they say whatever they want. And so I, and it's anonymous and it's anonymous, right? Because we don't really know who they are. So it's not face to face. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. If you guys made some of the complaints towards me that the people on the internet did, I would listen because I'm like, these are actually my real people who have real, a real conversation to have with me about a character flaw or my work or whatever. I'll listen to people who have my phone number. I'm probably not going to listen to people who just know my Twitter handle when they're being trolly. I will when they're trying to tell me great restaurants to eat at around the country or fun music to listen to. I'll listen to them for a lot of things, but not when they're being trolly. Right. I take the high road and the road that some successful people have taken, and that is to come back twice as hard with a funny nickname like crooked or sloppy and say something about them on Twitter and see how they like it. Twice as hard. (laughs) (laughs) It works every time. You look look very mature. You look smart. You look look like like a stable genius when you do that. That should be your new Twitter bio, Jesse. Stable genius. Yeah, very stable genius. That's what very stable geniuses do. Jesse 2020. That's that's how you deal with trolls. Okay. All right, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Brooke Fraser joins us. Listening to Sid B. The song is Claws. This week's feature interview is brought to you by a new sponsor, ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers healthy, 100% grass fed and grass finished beef, free range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork directly to your door. The incredible quality of ButcherBox meats starts with the commitment of raising animals humanely and free of antibiotics and hormones. Each box comes with at least 8 to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual-sized meals, or three of mine. (laughs) You can actually choose from five different box types, all beef, beef and chicken, beef and pork, the mixed box, and the custom box, which lets you choose your own cuts. We actually just got a shipment of butcher box here at the office, and I am taking it home tonight. Uh It's going to be quite... 
quite the uh, the weekend. Yeah. I'm excited about this. One of the things that's cool about Butcher Box is each box uh, includes recipe cards and tips and tricks to create quality meals. And right now they have a special deal for relevant podcast listeners. You can get free bacon and $20 off your first box by going to butcherbox.com slash relevant and entering offer code relevant. Again, for free bacon and 20 bucks off your first box, go to butcherbox.com slash relevant and enter relevant. Well, this week, Hillsong Worship took home their first ever Grammy for the song, What a Beautiful Name, which is named Best Contemporary Christian Music Performance slash Song. The song has over 100 million YouTube views and was one of the biggest worship songs of the year. The Worship Outfit's new album is called There Is More, and it drops later this spring, and they'll be headlining a global tour that kicks off in April. We caught up with Brooke Frazier from Hillsong Worship uh, this week to talk about the success of the song and their experience at the Grammys. Here is part of Jesse's conversation with Brooke Frazier. I know you were at the the Grammys on Sunday night. Was that your first time at the award show? It was, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that experience. You know, it seems like no matter what level of artist you are, and obviously this song has had a massive impact, but is it still kind of... um, do you still do you personally get starstruck when you see someone like you know Beyonce in the same room, kind of being celebrated for their art right alongside you? Um, I'm not. I'm not a su- I'm not a super starstruck type, but um, you know, I, I what I loved about the Grammys and what I love about all music award shows I've had the opportunity to go to is the idea of celebrating celebrating music across all genres, um, and I think that's really powerful because obviously um, for your everyday person who listens to the radio and maybe works in an office, um, they have one perception of what music is, um, but that perception differs across hundreds of millions of people around the world, but comes together in a night like the Grammys when you get to see all the nuances of music that people engage in. So, you know, obviously there's um, the big categories which telecast, like pop album and rap album and all of these things, but, you know, um, I was so privileged to be able to witness people in the classical category and the classical vocal ensemble category to the Latin subtropical um, categories. All these people who have bringing excellence in their craft across so many genres to have um, their work celebrated and acknowledged I thought was was so powerful and, and so cool so it's a really uniting night and I loved it it was such an honor to be there uh, aside obviously from from winning the the big award um, for what a beautiful name what, what what were some other highlights from the evening for you personally um, you know I think it was really we had some really cool conversations with people who came up to us um, and and shared their own journey with the song. Um, 
from from across other genres. So I had uh, um, one of the drummers who was nominated in the metal category. Oh, nice. Um, and then um, one of the women who was nominated in the classical category come up and share that you know she's nominated. She was nominated in the classical category, but her and her husband go to a small Catholic church where they lead worship and sing "What a Beautiful Name" um, at their little Catholic church. And it was just such a glimpse of um, you know a glimpse of the wider church as well. And I think and then a lot of other people who came up to me who didn't share with me why they were there that night but talked about how excited that they were that um, that the name of Jesus had been talked about at the Grammys um, because though they weren't, weren't necessarily in um, our category they were believers who were trying to bring excellence to their craft in the music industry um, but were thrilled to see the name of Jesus um, you know being acknowledged and presenced at um, such a a humanly prestigious night, so um, so I think you know that was that was um, really cool to connect with those people and hear those stories and just um, see God at work. It, it seems like in in a lot of kind of more the mainstream music, their worship and references to faith is sort of having a moment. I know, like last year, uh, Chance incorporated a Chris Tomlin song into his performance, and um, you know, I, I saw you too kind of do a take on like the Beatitudes in in one of their songs that was I think it was pre recorded. But do do you feel like? a lot of mainstream artists are, are becoming more comfortable kind of talking about faith uh, more openly and if so why, why do you think that is? I don't know yeah, yeah there was also that you know that Kesha song Praying I don't know yeah, yeah you know I think Sam Smith's song um, is called Pray or something as well at least that there was the you know the key line in the chorus you know I think we it's, it's, it's certainly you know it's an obvious thing to acknowledge that the human soul um was made to connect with God and so people are seeking that connection um, in a plethora of different ways and along many different paths and of course um, we as believers um, can testify to the name of the name of Jesus and the gospel um, as being how you connect with God but I think that that hunger and that search that is intrinsically within all humans um, is being expressed in art. I think it always has been, um, but I think that there are, um, you know, kind of swings and roundabouts in, in terms of culturally um, how art acknowledges or um, denies that search. And so I think what we're seeing is not necessarily something new. It's just um, a swing and a roundabout in the wheel of human history that has always um, sought to acknowledge um, the human search for God. Well, Brooke, thanks again so much for taking a few minutes to chat, and congratulations again on the on the on the award. Now, I just have one more question as it pertains to the Grammy before I let you go. Where is the trophy going to preside? <laughs> it's just it's a super. It's a, I, I don't know. We actually, my husband and I talked about it. We have no idea because it's not a subtle thing. It's not for something <laughs> you, you know, people have like vases of like of like wicker balls and stuff, you know. Yeah. Like it's kind of not something you can just sneak in there as a as a random piece of decor. Um, so we really have no idea. Or my, any other award I've gotten is in kind of random cupboards and storage units. But um, and it kind of we have a two year old and a six month old, so yeah. it doesn't doesn't feel right to put it in any kind of low lying space. <laughs> so 
I mean, I could see, you know, a, a Grammy, at least for the, a year or so, maybe like on the mantle, high away from the children, but just so when people come over, it's a, I mean, what better conversation piece is there than a Grammy on the mantle? Yeah, well, we don't actually have a mantle, so that, you know, we can put it next to the toilet, on top of the toilet. I don't know. <laughs> now, that's a conversation starter. That is, yeah. <laughs> Maybe put one of those, like, air fresheners, like, in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's I don't a, know. We'll, we'll find some use yeah, for I it. I mean, the shape of it's very functional. You know, it has the open little gramophone thing. That's a perfect use of it. I, you know, potpourri, that, that'll do. Potpourri would be good. We could serve cheese out of it, you know? <laughs> Fill it with gorgonzola. Stick a little cheese knife in there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, once again, you, you know, you don't have to have like an icebreaker at your next house party. I mean, this is, you know, have have some have some cheese here. It's from a Grammy. I bet you only had that one time. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Brooke, thanks again and congrats. And it's always it's always good chatting. And I uh, can't wait to hear the new album. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time. When I see that cross, I see free. It was Brooke Fraser from Hillsong Worship. Make sure to keep an eye out for their upcoming album, There Is More, dropping later this spring. too sure but it's just s-h-o-r and it's all caps if you're googling the song is calm of the sea brian zond is a pastor of saint joseph missouri's word of life church and the author of the new book sinners in the hands of a loving god in it he explains how the famous 1741 jonathan edwards sermon uh centers in the hands of an angry god which is credited with sparking a great awakening in america may actually mischaracterize God and has wrongly shaped how Americans think about theology ever since. We actually did a feature on uh, the most dangerous sermon ever told in the current issue of Relevant. You should go check it out. But here is part of our conversation with Brian Zond. Early on in the book, you, you call the sermon, the Jonathan Edwards sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, uh, an American greatest hit. Just for maybe for people who aren't familiar with their uh, American Christian history, can you explain a little bit about what its impact on early American life was? Yeah, this is a Puritan sermon. And I don't think there's been any sermon in the history of America that has more shaped our collective religious imagination than centers in the hands of an angry God. America, because of how it came about, has a Puritan soul. Um, atheists are Puritans in America, by which I mean the God they don't believe in is the Puritan God. So um, the sermon... Even if a person has never encountered it, though a lot of people have, 
you know, through school, where it's given as the stock example of collective writing, of creative writing oftentimes. Uh, even if they haven't ever heard of the sermon, uh, they've been influenced by it because it's just part of the zeitgeist of the American religious imagination that there is a very angry God to which Jesus can possibly be the one that would uh, save us from God. So that we end up with kind of a nebulous idea that what Jesus does is save us from God. Um, and, and that may, in fact, impel people, those that are persuaded by such an argument, it may motivate them to believe in Jesus, but it comes at a price. And it comes with the price of what I describe in the book as post, spiritual post-traumatic stress disorder, where uh, you're never quite sure if God actually loves you. Uh, you understand that some sort of legal agreement, a quid pro quo, has been worked out between God and Jesus that involves we sinners, but uh, does God really love us? Early in the book, too, you, you mentioned that you know you had your own kind of handmade copy of this sermon, and you personally yeah, re- revered it. Like I feel like a lot of people, you know, like I, like I was saying earlier, my Bible teacher revered it. What yeah. explain to our, our our readers a little bit about what led you? to question the basic premise of it, which is that God is angry at humanity and almost delights in the opportunity to punish it. Well, I mean, just staying on the journey with Jesus over a very long period of time um, and coming to the conviction that the clearest revelation of God we have is Jesus Christ himself, that God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There's never been a time when God wasn't like Jesus. We haven't always known this, now we do. And so I began to see that the angry, that that God portrayed as violent, vindictive, and full of wrath, seemed to be uh, incompatible with the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I mean, I understand that if you want to paint God as angry, violent, and retributive. You can use the Bible in such a way to do that. Those portraits are there, or at least you can cobble disparate Bible verses together in a way to create that portrait. But you know, you can do a lot of stuff like that with the Bible. The question remains, is it true? And what the Bible does is point us to Jesus. That's the thing I would say the Bible does infallibly, is it points us to Jesus. And Do we see Jesus um, as one who would delight in dangling sinners over a fire as one dangles a spider, you know, like borrow from Edward's phrase. So I would say it was it was becoming more and more Christocentric in how I read the Bible, in how I interpret scripture. And then I just would also add. Uh, through practices of contemplative prayer, just over the years sitting with God. I I don't think this is an argument, Jesse, uh, that would persuade necessarily anyone that's predisposed to disagree with me. But I I, want to say it kind of just, you know, quietly with humility, but I want to say I came to know God. Mm. And in the process of coming to know God, I found he wasn't like that. The book is written for people that have probably already an inkling that somehow God really is as good as we could hope him to be. But they still want to be respectful of Scripture. 
they can't just you know say, well, I'm just going to jettison the Bible that has these various issues of Old Testament violence, and the Bible talks a lot about the wrath of God, and etc. So I'm I'm working with people that already have a glimmer of an idea that maybe God really is love. Maybe that's true, but how can they hold on to that? And still deal with issues like, what about the wrath of God? What about Old Testament violence? What about the violence of the cross? What about hell? What about the book of Revelation? Things like that. So that's, if, if a person has a vocational and deep-seated commitment to Calvinism, um, you know, the book may not persuade them. I don't know that I was talking to that person. It may, uh, but if they're, you know, if they're come hell or high water committed to Calvinism, then, you know, they'll, they'll just argue with the book and it'll be a point of dispute. But who I'm really writing it for is those that already have an idea that maybe God really is love. I want to talk a little bit about the, the well, one of the things that I feel like is difficult for people who grew up with kind of that mindset we were talking about earlier, that, that maybe a lot of Americans, particularly Baptist and Calvinist, you know, there, there's the intellectual thing that they have to overcome where they see scripture one way, but there's also like a lot of cultural pressure to maintain a certain view of of God and and why morality is the way that it is and why Christians should uphold the, a certain morality culturally when you look at the way that Christians and I'm not making like any sort of particular judgment about it but like the way that Christians have um uh, position themselves like in sort of like different culture wars and politics and different things to try to enforce different types of morality or moral standards. Do you see that as part of the legacy of Jonathan Edwards' sermon, or do you think that's like, do you think it evolved out of that, this kind of need to enforce a certain kind yeah, of morality? I don't, want to, I don't want to tag everything on Jonathan Edwards, and I do, I, I even want to add, uh, it's unfortunate that Jonathan Edwards has been so uh, deeply un- uh, connected with this one single sermon. Yeah. Edwards had other things to say yeah. that are, I think, wonderful and beautiful. I will say this, that I think America, in a unique sort of way, has an obsession with retributive justice. That mm. is, justice as punishment. And it... it, it it colors the way we even hear the word. When the average American hears the word justice, I think very often, unless they've been taught otherwise, the first idea they have is punishment. And that's unfortunate. Biblical justice is always restorative. The point is never simply punitive. The point is to set the world right. Hmm. Uh, and then through uh, distorted atonement theologies that sort of creep in with Anselm and then reach a full flowering with Calvin, uh, we in somehow envision that the purpose of the cross was simply that a surrogate might be punished on our behalf. Yeah, I think that's a very er- erroneous understanding and interpretation of the meaning of the cross, but it's, it's very uh, compatible with the American psyche that... The one thing we know we have to do with wrong is just punish it. There, there are three kinds of countries, three kinds of nations that today actually practice capital punishment. Totalitarian states, Islamic states, and the United States. So who, who we're in unison with is North Korea and Saudi Arabia. 
in practicing capital punishment. We're out of sync with every nation in the Western Hemisphere and all of Europe and Australia. And why is that so? I think it's because America has uh, a rather peculiar obsession with retributive justice. And no doubt some of that is connected with our nascent theology that goes back to colonial times when it was Puritan revivalistic preaching. And some of that bitter fruit is still among us. We seem to be suspicious uh, as a nation. We're suspicious of mercy. We're suspicious of kindness being a kind of public policy. We don't think that'll work. And that, that seems to be very incompatible with what I see in Jesus Christ. That was Brian Zahn. Make sure to check out his new book, Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God, and read more in the new issue of Relevant. Growth happens daily. Kickstart every day with Daily Power. 365 days of fuel for your soul. Get simple, honest, and inspiring insight from New York Times best-selling author Craig Rochelle. Develop a consistent, daily pursuit of Christ in your home, in your marriage, in your workplace, and in your everyday life. Pick up your copy of Daily Power at craigrochellebooks.com. You're listening to Toby. I, again, if you're Googling, it's capital T-O-B and a lowercase I. Yeah. You know, it's very specific. The song is all day. All right, well, it's time for your feedback. Okay, this is going to be an unusual one. So last week for the question of the week, we asked you guys to tell us three interesting things about yourselves. Uh, we won, We had Matt from Iowa call in. We had fun getting to know him. In the golden era of the podcast, we had a lot more listener interaction. And we just kind of wanted to get a quick update on who's out there, who's listening. We want to know. We want to know a little something about you. You guys hit us up on Twitter. Mm. You guys posted on the podcast episode page and told us three interesting facts about yourselves. They were so interesting and so good. We actually have an idea for a new segment. Yes. Uh, we're going to read a few. We're going to read some of our favorites here today or in a second. But I just want to tell you this. We've got to talk to you guys. Yes. Yeah. So last what, week was the best. What we're going to do I is for the so next much. couple months, we are going to take some of our favorite responses from this week's questions, uh, question of the week, the three interesting facts. Yeah. And we are going to call you call you and have you join us on the show yes. for a segment, uh, listener of the week. We're going to have a listener of the week. I can't wait to hear each the, week hear the for the jingle. next few months. The jingle is so, going to be so is good. It for just for logistical purposes, like can they, when they leave a piece of feedback, can they like, uh, well, I guess we'll just contact them via the means that they contacted us. That's right. And there we'll might be different ways to enter the listener of the week. Uh, opportunity as sure. we continue down the road. If you're like a LeBron James and you're going, I deserve to be listener of the week, yeah, we're yeah, not yeah. going to pick you. 
<laughs> oh, no, no, no. If you want it too much, you're out. Yeah, Unless yeah, they can desperate. show a picture on Instagram where they are congratulating themselves for how long they've listened to the podcast. No, then, what they would do is they no. would post after they were listening to the week, they would post a, a picture congratulating themselves for yeah, finally right. making it, congratulating yeah. the, the younger listener. Yeah. And, and my, my feeling is many of the people that I've heard that have listened to the show, the first question that I typically ask is, have we ever fought on Twitter? They say, no, you haven't blocked me. I say, great. But typically they, maybe they, they're not one of the like 15 people that we see all the time, but they've been listening since like, they were like, oh, we were there when it was like well, show even five. Matt, even Matt, Matt from Iowa last yes. week, he said he's been listening for 10 years. He's been in it for a long time. Yeah. So you guys blew us away this week. So much feedback, so many responses with the three, the three facts about yourself. And you guys are fascinating. So for the next couple months, we're going to have a listener of the week segment. There will be a great jingle and we will debut that next week. Oh, I can't wait. So just kind of as a teaser to tell you a little bit of what you're in store for, I want to read a few of few of your interesting facts so y'all can get a sense of who's out there. I would like to start with Samantha and John Butler. I love okay. this one. This is and a couple? Yeah. I, yes, apparently it's the two of them writing together and we need to speak in soft tones for this one. Mm-hmm, we it do. Says, hey guys, love the, pod- love the podcast. <laughs> Hardcore fans. Three things about us. Okay. Jesse, can you sing Silent Night gently in the background? Why? What is going on? Absolutely not. Number one, we brought, we bought and renovated a trailer to live in with our kids for a year. They are currently in New Orleans. Next up is Texas. Fact number two. We use the podcast to make our kids nap while on long trips between places. Always works. No offense. Win-win for us. So right now we are just gently rocking their children to sleep. <laughs> and number three, they're wedding photographers from Toronto, Canada. Eh? So what the what, that, that, that that's not interesting at all. Well, no. I mean, you got to read all three. <laughs> I and think they know the two ones that are moderately interesting, and be like, "Hey, look, the photographer's got to be from somewhere. It's not uh, Montreal. It's like oh, a wedding photographer from Montreal is the third most interesting thing about you." And that's I'm sorry. You guys live a very boring life despite dedicating yourselves <laughs> you know to traveling around in a trailer. Samantha and John's kids, wake up. It's time to get some interesting facts. Up you go. <laughs> up and at them. Jordan Poole, I'd like to talk I, I I like to talk to Big J Poole. That's what he goes by on, <laughs> on Twitter. Big J Poole. Um, he has a couple, um, he, two, he, he gave three, but only two I'm really interested in, uh, talking to him about. Um, he also had a wedding photographer from Montreal. Weird. No. Um, he, he was detained <laughs> by police for riding a bike on the interstate. I want to know, uh, not only what the police said, but what are some of the details of riding the bikes on the interstate? I've always wondered if you could do it. And I'm interested in Big J Pool's take on that. Yeah. Also, he's a noodler. He catches <gasps> catfish by hand. I, I went down a noodling rabbit hole one time, uh, uh, Eddie, and this is going to blow your mind, this activity. Rabbit sphere, but it, it, it involves <laughs> sticking your fist into a hole in the bottom of a lake until yeah. a, a, a catfish bites the end of it. And you pull it out, Eddie, a hole. So I'm going to talk to Big uh, Jay Poole about noodling, but also what it's like, uh, you know, his, his take on holes. Amanda Covell uh, said uh, here, her three facts. I've been a flower girl 17 times. Whoa. Flower girl. Whoa. I do not work at a pet store, but I've had a hamster thrown at me in a professional work setting. Whoa. Mm. Number three, I once got a rash in a brothel on a Baptist mission trip. Oh, boy. She had to, she had to throw the uh, Baptist mission trip right. part in there because it would be yeah. bad. Yeah. Right. Still yeah. interested in the story. I love Sean Snyder on Twitter. I'm going to follow your lead, Jesse, and only read the ones I find interesting. So first of all, he said he went on a few dates with a serial killer's daughter. 
Henry. And then he also got free drum lessons in exchange for getting his feet tickled. That's awful. Yeah, that's weird. What? Uh, but we need to talk I to him. I feel like he yeah, answered there's... a Craigslist ad that went real weird real fast. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. kind of need to know the story there. Did, uh, we already, did you already do Cal Busman's? Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, Cal. Uh, I like this. We're only going to read the, one, the two that we find interesting. Uh, I've shot pool with Prince, which I is pretty that. phenomenal. And I'm probably one of your oldest listeners. I've been listening from the beginning. You'll have to ask how old I am. He is. Oh, Cal. No, I remember Cal. Cal is 104. <laughs> no, we don't know. How. Uh, Black Jewels on Twitter hit us up. Three interesting facts what? about him. Black Jewels. Name? Black Jewels is his Twitter name. Oh. I've won two international awards for my music, though I've never sold even 25 albums in 10 years. <gasps> he also was a member of a dance crew called Street Kingdom on MTV's America's Best Dance Crew show. And then, uh, and interestingly, he's a competitor on American Ninja Warrior and a Ninja Coach. Oh man, wow. we gotta get these people to talk to this guy. Two American Ninja Warrior gyms. So there you go. Yeah, this guy's fascinating. I love this guy, PC Walker, on uh, said us, if he had a bell tower connected to a keyboard, he'd just play chopsticks or heart and soul all day long. Okay. So and wait, his also, interesting fact is just a hypothetical scenario. <laughs> right. And then he said his spirit animal is the common street pigeon because even if I could fly, I'd still walk around and eat like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> still not a fact about him, but good. still funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Good job, personal computer walker. I was uh, the the Jesus Culture Conference I was at where they had the flag section. I met I met Mr. PC Walker. Did you? Yeah, he was oh. there. Was he in the, he in the flag ben, section? Ben White says just one fact. Eddie added me on LinkedIn, but I have no idea why. Ben, I don't know why either, man. But we're really good LinkedIn friends now. See you in five years when I check in on it again for no apparent reason. I go there when I want to network socially, but also there's a, there's a lot more and. and- <laughs> uh, there's a lot more and we uh we we saved some uh some of the really crazy ones for for the guest appearances so uh so tune in next week when we debut uh with a full jingle and orchestra i assume like yeah, it's gonna be a whole production. it's gonna be a beautiful jingle yeah, yeah oh, a big jingle so nice. uh the relevant <laughs> podcast listener of the week segment yes and where we uh we'll call you guys okay well, that'll do it for the uh, last week's feedback. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. So, you know, uh, you got Eddie on one hand eating up <laughs> every every morsel of the Olympic experience, and you got Annie going, yeah, just not into it. What hey, we want to know is how to Annie get doesn't like America. How much. to get the, the Annies of the world more interested in the Winter yeah. Olympics? Yeah, and, and I will say the Jessies of the world. I'm really yeah. alone in this. So, yeah. we want to know yes. what you would do. To make the Winter Olympics more interesting, another sport to be added, maybe, uh, maybe a change in how it's broadcast, maybe just anything you can come up with mm-hmm. to make the Winter Olympics more exciting, more compelling for the Annies and Jessies of the world yeah. to yeah. get as excited about it as Eddie is. You know what makes me excited? America and patriotism. Because yeah. the Annies and the Jessies of the world love sports. We're sports people. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, I mean, not, you know, sports that you've never even thought about <laughs> attempting and that will never try. I feel like they're missing okay. a huge opportunity. Like, go old school with the Winter Olympics. Have an every nation snowball fight or something. You know, like, <laughs> go back your status on the Winter Olympics. I'd watch that. You tell me you want to watch that. I'd watch the heck out of that. I don't care if it's on CNBC at 4 a.m. I'm watching the global snowball fight. You know, people who have been training their whole lives for a single snowball fight. Get out of here. That's going to be awesome. 
it's like it's a Will Ferrell and Elf, right? And they're moving yeah. fast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but if he had like the body of an Adonis, yes, you know, like the force of an. And Adonis. He's been I mean, training for this. He's been training exclusively for this. Yeah, right. Uh, that would hurt. I agree. Yeah, I think I, it would be, it's a great sport. I would I'd watch go buy it. an Elon Musk flamethrower. Yeah, that'd be my oh, surprise defense. Oh, and melt him defense. on the way to right. you. That'd be oh, my surprise defense. Clever. See? Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's the other thing yeah. with Olympic snowballing. You can do whatever you need to do right. to not get no hit rules. by a snowball. No it's, rules. Yeah, it's playground rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Snow which rules. is no rules. Yeah, no rules. Is the oh, trick. snow rules. <laughs> Got it. Ohio dead joke. Florida joke. All right, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your longer, more elaborate. Uh, ideas on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. That'll be fun. Yeah. So, so we're going to read the feedback next week and we're also going to do our, make our a new listener, friend. listener of the oh, week segment. I, I love it. Last week was just such a joy. I can't wait yeah. to meet her. So maybe this is the thing that Annie brings to the show. Maybe she's the host of the relevant listener of the week Ooh. segment. Love it. Love oh, it. Okay. But she thinks yeah. up the uh, get to know you questions and, and all that. Oh, I do. But Jesse needs to bring out that app that he has as well, because that thing yeah. is... Ask mm. one of those nine questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, many thanks to this week's uh, sponsors for making the episode possible. Remember, you can get 15% off uh, at Movement Watches with free shipping and free return by going to mvmt.com slash relevant. Also, thanks to ButcherBox for free bacon and $20 off your first box. Go to butcherbox.com slash relevant huh. and enter relevant uh thanks also to our guests for joining us brooke frazier you can follow her on twitter at brooke frazier uh the what a beautiful name ep is out now also thanks to brian zond you can uh, check out his new book sinners in the hands of a loving god which mm. is available now hey while you're online uh head over to relevantmagazine.com and check out the current issue featuring russell brand on the cover you can actually read the entire issue online if you want to subscribe and get the beautifully tactile print edition mailed to your house every other month. Uh, we have a great deal going on right now. I love the print edition of the uh, magazine. Thanks, man. I can do iPad too. I know it, but I love the, love the analog. Yeah, it's like, I like it, the iPad on a plane. That's when grippy. I like to read the iPad yeah. version. It's grippy. Yeah, what kind of paper? Uh, we don't need to it's talk about It's a coat. It's a coating we do. It's, oh, I love it's the feel of that paper. Grit. Yeah, the nice. Mm, that's nice. All right, there you go. Okay, well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Eddie Koffoltz. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm proud of my home decor. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Sure, really should be. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Shirt and hippie wear at church.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.